Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I want any engagement I have with somebody to lift them. It doesn't matter who they are, right? They could be the cashier at the local grocery store, or they could be the CEO of a company I'm consulting with. I want everybody I engage with to feel somehow uplifted by what I'm bringing them. My energy, my words, my support. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Truth Prescription. Today I talked to Dr. Wayne Purnell, who's a leadership coach, author, and clinical psychologist, and he does a whole bunch of other crazy things, like he's a magician, he's a black belt. (laughs) But we had a really good conversation, jumped into The Truth Prescription. His personal truth was actually talking about something that, that some of my other guests have mentioned So it's something really to note, because I think it's something that a lot of us do where he was really grew up doing what others wanted and not really understanding or even really being in touch with what he wanted. And he told a great story about how he came to that realization. And in terms of his professional truth, he realized that he had to develop the skill of being a great leader but not wanting to be liked. This is a a really, really, really important nuance, right? Because as a leader in your life, whether it's in a business or whether it's with your family, you want to be able to inspire people to follow you, to follow your direction, but you also don't want to come across as though you're a, a dictator slash parent. And so finding that subtle nuance, that subtle technique of how to do that, he found to be important. And he talks a little bit about how to do that. Then we jumped into some questions. We talked about how you can use uh, love in, at work or, or in work um, and not the romantic type of love, but just in terms of your interactions with folks. We just we talked a little bit about since he's a coach, what he particularly specially could offer clients that the other 39,000 leadership coaches cannot offer. And finally, we we ended up discussing the importance of an exercise regimen and for him specifically martial arts and how those skills, techniques translate over into success in business and life. The skills and techniques that you learn during exercise and or martial arts. That was it. So sit back, relax, take a listen, and I'll see y'all soon. Be good. Good people. Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. 
Hope everybody's doing well. Today, uh, actually this evening, I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Wayne Purnell, who is a leadership coach, author, clinical psychologist, magician, fourth degree black belt, and NFL running back. <laughs> Not an NFL running back, but everything else. How you doing, Wayne? I'm doing great. What a what a great evening to be stepping into some truth. That's right. Let's 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 step on in. Wayne, I'm going to I'll just let me just give a brief synopsis for my new listeners of what the truth prescription is all about and then we'll jump right into it. So basically good people as you know and I've said this before that we are afraid of truth and why are we afraid of truth because it's uncomfortable it's difficult it's arduous but what we found and what I found and what a lot of my guests who are successful have discovered is that once you accept the truth whatever it is be it about yourself or someone else you can actually break through and get to the other side whatever's stopping you if you find you're being stuck in any area of your life most likely there's some truth you're either ignoring or you're not aware of and so that's what we seek to discover here on the truth prescription so dr pernell why don't you you want to start with the personal or professional you know what let's go personal okay let's go personal so tell us a a story a personal story about a a situation that was occurring or had occurred where you realized that there was a truth you may have been ignoring. And once you accepted it, you were able to break through to the other side. Yeah, it's how I got to that truth that it was really something. You know, okay. I uh, I have this style now uh, that I've grown into of wanting to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So this mm. is a, a perfect place to be. Sure. When I was 42, I had been making some pretty big, significant waves out there um, as a consultant. I'd been with some major companies, and and yet a lot of things were upside down in my life. And uh, I was affiliated with a company where my job was on the line, even though I felt very powerful out in the world. A lot of things were just not happening the way they needed to happen. And at home, I was on the verge of a divorce and financially we were looking at bankruptcy. I mean, there was wow. so many things, so many things that were hidden, right? That there's this outward face and that inside, you know, I felt potent and powerful out in the world and I'd come home and I would just be, things were just bad. They just mm. didn't feel good. Okay. And I felt like I needed to get away. And I, I flew to my brother's house. He lived in Nevada at the time. He's 12 years younger than I am. And so growing up, he could never really help me. <laughs> when I got to his house as adults now, I'm sitting on his living room floor and he's thrilled that I'm there. And I'm sort of rocking back and forth, pulling at the strands of white carpeting and and just like, ugh. and he comes bouncing out. Jeff is his name. And he, he's bouncing out and he's like, brother. I'm so <laughs> he didn't call me Wayne. It was always brother, big brother, whatever, you know, it's mm. like that. He's like, I'm so happy you're here. I'm like, I'm just trying to be depressed. You know, it's like yeah. uh, too many things were upside down for me. And so I'm sort of doing this rock and pulling at the carpet. And he's like, I'll tell you what, let's get a pizza. Do you want to get a pizza? I, should, I think we should get a pizza. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, sure. Pizza. Cool. Fine. And he goes leaping off to the kitchen and he picks up a phone book because this is in the times of phone books. Wow. He grabs, he phone grabs book. 
For those of you listening who are younger than 20, that was this yellow thing we actually used to go through before there was the Google to figure there, out that, what was where and how to get, get in contact with them. This was also at the, t- at the time where there were corded phones attached to the wall. So he picks up the phone <laughs> and he starts to dial the, the pizza place and he yells to me. He's like, hey, what do you like on your pizza? And I'm like, ah... Pineapple and olives. That's fine. Just, I don't know, pineapple and olives. He's like, cool. And he starts to punch in the number for the pizza place. And I, at that point, burst into tears. Wow. And he looks at me and he hangs up the phone and he closes the phone book and he comes over and he puts his arm around me and he goes, brother, it's just a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, man, yes, it's it's just a pizza. Look, I gave you the answer that was the easy answer for all the kids not to make waves like the easy answer was pineapple and olives because all the kids could agree on that mm-hmm. but here's the thing nobody's ever asked me the question you asked me what and do he's you like, want what do you want on yeah. your pizza yeah. what do you like on your pizza mm. no one's ever asked me that and i realized in that moment and this is my truth dr g is I realized in in that moment that if I had been giving away small choices like that, what about the big choices in my life? And that was like, boom, you know what? I came face to face with some major truth. And at that point, my life changed all around the question of what do you like on your pizza? Yeah. It's like, holy cow. You know what? If I've if I've been letting go of small things. What big things have I done that I've gone along to get along? Yeah. And it was from there I built myself back up. I was in my early 40s. I built myself back up to I want to be not only potent and powerful out in the world, but I want to go bigger. I want to have a home life that works. I want to have a I just want to be more significant. Yeah. I want to have my voice. And Mm. I found my voice at that point. It's when I started writing. Okay. You know, I have five books out there now. It's been amazing. This has been an amazing journey. And the power that I have, the ability to help other people now find their voice and step up and step in, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. And this goes all the way even up to uh, the leadership level. When I'm working with with senior leaders and they go, me too. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay married? So that was pretty much the end of my first marriage. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, what normally it, happens when you have a, a breakthrough like that and you completely change then your environment and the people in it have to change as well. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. Like we, yeah. we did an amicable divorce. Yeah. We recognized that it was, you know, that our goal was to have happy kids. I ended up continuing to grow and wishing her well. And, you know, our kids are are doing amazing. I am now in a marriage where I've been married for 15 years. We were together a little bit before that. And it's incredible, right? We support each other. So it's really good. Fantastic. So that was, that was great. So for your um, personal truth, it was, it sounded like it was really the identification that you hadn't really been living from the inside. You were living from the outside. You weren't making decisions based on what Wayne needed. You were making decisions based on what you thought maybe other people needed. That's exactly right. Okay. I grew up as a placator, you know, okay. like I grew up in a in a home where it looked really good from the outside, but we also grew up with what will the neighbors think? 
And so everything about what happened on the inside of the house was don't make waves, just be good. Right. Right. It was wow. And you know what? In my work with other people, including, I mean, it's everybody really has had this, has had a sense of, wow, I wish I could say more. I wish I could do more. Mm. Right. And I think this actually might lead us to the professional question, too. Okay. Well, let's, let's get there because, you know, in your varied and sundry things that you do, leadership coach, author, psychologist, yeah. magician, et cetera. Talk to us about a truth that you discovered in that process. So, right. As a, you know, as a martial artist, it's, it's pretty clear that there are things that need to be done and you live your life in a certain way. Mm-hmm. As a leader, I still wanted to be liked. And so backing away from, it's funny. I think the our listeners might actually understand the idea of compartmentalization and how how distant you can feel in different parts of your life. As a martial artist, when I'd step into the dojo, boom, I was on it. I was in it. That was my realm. When I was running teams, you know, the the stumbling block for me was I wanted to be liked. Yeah. And yeah. so leadership and management suffered. I as a leader, as a manager, I suffered because I wanted to be liked by my team. And so I looked wishy-washy. I looked like I couldn't make decisions. I looked like, you know, that it just, nothing was getting done. Right. When the truth is, I was trying to build bridges. And it was taking a little longer than it should have maybe, but I was trying to build bridges. So that's uh, you know, I don't have the big, the bigger pizza story to go with that. No, but that, that, I mean, that's relevant. That makes sense. And how did you sort of start to rectify that over time? Because some people listening may feel like you can't just kind of walk around with a FU attitude and, and expect people to follow you. You know, how do you sort of make that balance between inspiring people to because leadership is really about getting people to do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. That's really it's kind of really what it's about. Right. Leading them down a particular path to to, to get a particular goal done. They're doing it sort of on your terms because you're the leader. So how do you do that without coming across as parental and, you know, all these other like psychological things that can get stuck in there? So there is a difference between leadership and management. Okay. And managers are, it comes from the Latin manos, which is hands, okay. management. It means hands-on. And so there is a time to be hands-on. There is a time to guide someone to oversee their work, all that stuff. Leadership is more inspirational and strategic. By getting really clear on personal values that align with company values, that's where things start to really shape up, where it's not necessarily because I said so, darn it. It's about we are all doing this to live into the company vision. We're all doing this. Like I ran a psychiatric hospital, for example. I ran a, a locked psychiatric facility. I had 120 staff members and you know, getting 120 people to all want to do something, it's it's not about me. It's about why do we all show up? Values and vision. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So anytime I work with a company, I'm always starting with, well, what what are the values? For example, when and as a doc, you know this, you don't show up at the hospital to make it about you. You show up at the hospital to make it about the patient. Correct. 
So for me, when I was running the facility, the psychiatric facility, it was about getting my team, 120 team members, as diverse as anything, to all align with the vision of how do we help this patient and this patient and this patient as individuals, not as, well, we got to help those people. It's, yeah. Right. It's one person at a time. And when we could get them to to fall into line with helping each other to help each patient individually, everything worked, dare I say, like magic. Right? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Let's jump into some questions. I read this quote on your website that I really liked. I live intentionally, boldly, and lovingly to teach, touch, and transform the lives of others so that they may engage at their highest potential authentically and purposely. That's my purpose statement. I want you to really talk about the importance of that word love in there, right? Uh, and I know you're not talking about romantic love, but talk about how, you know, in your work, you can love essentially when you're doing your coaching, a stranger through your work. Talk about what that love means. Oh, that's so wonderful. And this yeah. is actually in all the times that I've been doing this, it's probably the first time that anybody's asked me about that. So <laughs> I get that a I, lot. <laughs> I am so appreciative of that. I am yeah. just so, so was I when I read it. It was heartfelt. Thank you. Here's the thing is that I have chosen three words that guide me in my interaction with anybody. And the first one is empowering. And that is, I want any engagement I have with somebody to, to lift them. Mm. It doesn't matter who they are, right? They could be the cashier at the local grocery store, or they could be, you know, the CEO of a company I'm consulting with. Sure. I want everybody I engage with to feel somehow uplifted by what I'm bringing them, my energy, my words, my support. The second word that I use is, is I am empowering, I am loving, and I am magical. And mm -hmm. so loving is the second one. And yeah. that's what you asked about. Yeah. Where does this love thing come from? It's yeah. like, look, I need for others to understand that when I guide them, when I offer suggestions, when I step back, it's not abandonment. It's not when I step in and guide them, it's not to mess with their lives. It is so they know I'm doing it in a way that is protective. And it's because as an executive coach, you know, I've been doing this long enough that really it's about, I have a perspective that they don't have, you know, the same way that a parent can look at a three-year-old and go, oh my gosh, stay away from that thing. Or, <laughs> oh my gosh, let me teach you. Yeah, It's the exact same thing when I'm working with people, anybody really, you know, uh, whether it's a an executive team or whether it's an individual who's just going through it. I think it's really important that, that they know that I'm not coming off, you know, I'm not, I'm not bringing them my ego. It's not, you know, do this. So I'll look good. It's right. like, do this so you don't hurt. And so the, the love piece, it's like, I think we need to bring that. I think we need to bring that to our business. I think we need yeah. to bring that to our families because mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes people forget that, right? I gave yes. it the office and so they come through the door and it's like, oh, what a day. And they're like, hey, puppy, 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 puppy. Oh, hi, hon. Right. And it's like, that is so backwards. Yeah. It should be honey, honey, honey. Oh, hi, pup. You know, it's yeah. like just bringing that love really matters. And then magical, I want people to know that everything I do comes with this sense of transformation. Yeah, it is. It's transformation. Right. I, and and like I want people to feel like, well, there's more and for them to be sparked to find it, you yeah. know, like 
what is it? You know, boom, I'm turned on. How, you know, what's next? And it's like, that's (laughs) exciting. It's so exciting. So amazing. Thanks for reading that. Nobody, nobody reads my, my purpose statement on my website. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's a nice, it's nice. And I think it's important. It, It it, we're a long ways away in our society for being able to really bring that love consistently, but Hey, you know, they say the 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 uh journey of a thousand uh miles starts with one step, right? So the, the journey along that path starts with one human. And if you're doing it, then that means other people can do it as well. So that's the message. It's yeah. one at a time. It starts with one. Yeah. What's great, you know, like if we were to shift this for just a second, if if like if you didn't show up with love and I didn't show up with love, it would be an interrogation. Right? <laughs> it would. So it's right. Not, about starting this podcast over it'd be like so wayne you have a story here's the where'd you get over the <laughs> right like okay well let me tell you right and, but you show up with love you show up with love for your guests you show up yeah. with love for your audience that's yeah. so apparent and i'm just so appreciative of, you know engaging with you this way it's fabulous thank you dr p <laughs> I, I appreciate it i'm trying to think of this quote it goes with what you're saying it's criticism without love is an aggression and it's very much in line with what you're saying about how when you coach, you know, you, you're doing things, you're pulling back, you're moving forward, you're giving advice, yes. um, but you're doing it in a way that's got some love in it so that yep. otherwise, kind of like what you just said, it just becomes this, you're standing on the mountaintop pointing down like a dictator, telling right. them what to do, like a like a, like a angry parent, <laughs> you know? Right. right, and an angry parent gets a petulant child. Yeah. That's the response get back right right or a cowering child that would be the other response so yeah to come as an adult and to and to just be but be in that in that love space yeah i do have a quick story if you want it sure go ahead i'm leading it's a major organization that people would would recognize and i'm i'm leading the president and the senior vice presidents and at one point because of how i show up I, i think i can just say things and at one point the president says something that's a little gruff and everybody goes quiet yeah. and we're sitting at this big round table and I just sort of blurted out, is it me or did all the air just get sucked out of this room? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and that's not something you say in an executive team meeting typically, but right. being the, the people being that are the, paying you, right. All the senior vice presidents, their heads snap my way, and then they snap back to look at the president, and then they snap my way, and they <laughs> snap to look at the president, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Right. The president does this amazing thing, and it's because of the way I brought it that he was comfortable enough to know that I wasn't jamming him. I wasn't jabbing him. I wasn't making him feel bad specifically. Mm-mm. And he does this thing. He takes a breath. <sighs> And he leans back and he puts his, he folds his arms behind his head and takes another breath and he leans forward, puts his elbows on the table and he looks around the table, looks around at all the vice presidents. He goes, well, did it? (laughs) (laughs) It was great. One of the senior vice presidents, big gruff guy. And he's like, he suddenly turns into somebody that that looks like a six-year-old little boy that's being scolded. And he's looking down at the table and he's sort of like, so instead of like, well, yeah, you know, he's, he has a soft voice at this point and he goes, well, well, yeah, it kind of did. And to the president's credit, he goes, 
well, I guess we have some work to do. Mm. That's awesome. That is awesome. Everybody's got work to do. Right. And it was great because the veil, that was the truth that they needed. And and so this the shroud that had been covering all of them got torn. And now the truth was evident to everybody. Yeah. And the communication just opened wide up. And without me showing up in this love space, it would have been me making him wrong. And that wasn't my intent at all. And he knew it. And that's really important, right? It's really important. So when we show up with love for another person, recognizing that they must be in pain if they're acting that way. Right, right. right. They're afraid. They're, yeah. Yeah, I had a situation earlier today where Someone sent me an email, this extremely long email. It was very aggressive. And one of the first things I, I, not the first thing, probably the second or third thing I thought was, this person is very afraid. <laughs> yeah. Know? This person is very, this person is very afraid. And so I need to sort of, you know, respond to them, respond to them in that way and not, you know, allow my, um, my own fears to respond, you know. It's so, not personal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Completely, completely not, not personal. Yeah. It ended up getting resolved fairly quickly. Next question. So this is real interesting. So there, there are like literally thousands of, of coaches out there, right? I get emails all the time. I'm sort of in the, you know, uh, professional development space. Not sort of. Yeah. I mean, I am in the, in the professional like, development space, right? <laughs> You know, there are a lot of people out there that are well-known, right? some that are not. But talk yeah. about, about Wayne. Why should people choose you? How can you help where others can't? You know, what is your secret sauce, you think? Yeah, so I think my secret sauce is really everything that makes me me, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, growing up in a house where I was the placator, having the breakthrough, recognizing that giving away choice isn't a way to live one's life, that it's really about how do you step into yourself. I was fortunate enough to be exposed to science and took on curiosity early on. So Mm. one of the things that drives me is being curious about people. And I got to attend lectures that most people don't. You know, I was introduced to, to Feynman as a physicist. I was introduced, I got to actually meet Buckminster Fuller, who's the the inventor of the geodesic dome. These are people that that are foundational to the things we take for granted now. And so it just got me thinking. So really to be, to have grown up with this sense of curiosity and joy and love about the world and about people, that's huge. Then I went on to get my doctorate in clinical psychology. And almost immediately after getting my doctorate in clinical psych, I took a left turn into business. It was this accidental thing that happened when I got a call from a guy who goes, hey, you helped me. Well, you helped me and my wife. And I'm like, thank you. You know? <laughs> and he's like, but I need you to help me, my vice president. And I started to do essentially communication work, couples work, which is what set me on the foundation or on the path of of doing leadership development. Because in working with this guy who was the president of a major firm in South San Francisco and his vice president. I got a chance to help them set strategy. I got a chance to work with line staff, yeah. uh, middle management, senior management. So, you know, sort of my secret sauce is the, the whole blend of doing martial arts and having the kind of morals that go with the martial arts. Okay. 
having trained thousands of people over the course of time, having written, I've now written five books. I'm a, an international number one bestselling author. And congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, it's like, <laughs> that's big. It's big. And it's, and when I start to work with people, it's one of those where I could give my resume, which sounds like, Oh, look at me. I'm so much of all that. And, and really it's like, I did it because I wrote because I want people to get better. You know, I wrote because I think I can help people. And if I can help, if my voice can help one person, then it's worth the time and trouble of writing. You know, yeah. I've been I've been on numerous interviews on TV and podcasts and radio and such. So it's just, yes, I've worked with I've worked with some serious companies out there. Schwab, yeah. three Whole Foods Market, AAA, yeah. you know, Safeway, some some other places as well. And I think partly it's, you know, my secret sauce is that I'm not afraid to work at the executive level and I'm not afraid to say what's needed to be said. Mm. And that's partly also because I come with this, this kind of love space yeah. too. You right. know? Speaking of the martial arts, how do you think martial arts translates to great leadership? And I guess further for those people that aren't doing martial arts, right? How, how you may think a regimented exercise program can lend itself to becoming a great leader. Well, okay. So that's actually two different questions. Okay. Let me ask, answer the second one first, which is a regimented exercise program teaches you to step in and do something with consistency, okay. doing anything with consistency, whether it is uh, getting up and you know, having a very specific breakfast or getting up and going for a run or getting up and doing whatever, when you are in that place of consistency, you are training your mind and body to do something regularly. And that kind of discipline, if you can do it in one area of your life, you can do it in all areas of your life. Got it. So Got that's it. kind of magical in itself. Got it. In the martial arts, what I do bring to leadership is the axiom of enter when pulled, turn when pushed. So in conflict, you have options. You know, in the martial arts, there's the hard style, which is block and counter strike. You know, somebody exactly. Somebody. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did uh, hop keto for a little while. So. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so if somebody comes at you, you're going to block, you're going to counter strike, or you're going to preemptively strike. That's fine. That is a, a reasonable response. That said, there are other options, and that's what's called a hard style, which is it's very linear. Something yeah. comes at you, you you block it, you step back in. The softer styles or the round styles, uh, you know, there's Hapkido, there's there's Shotokan Karate, which was my base, which is very linear. Okay. And then I added to that Aikido and Aikijitsu, which Aikido, is very yep. circular. Yep. And what that means is if an attack comes in, you have a choice not to be there. You have a choice to absorb it. You have a choice to take it and turn it. And so when dealing with conflict, I mean, the reason that you could respond to the letter that was written to you today, right, that letter that came in and you knew it wasn't personal is that you took it and you turned it. And mm -hmm. it's like you turned when pushed. Right. So someone could, you know, someone could say, well, you're nothing but a uh, and, and <laughs> something. Right. And you go, hey. Right. Or if someone goes, well, you're a purple spotted leprechaun. It's like, what? Like yeah. what? And so the question is, why do we take on someone? You know, why do we take on 
certain things that seem inflammatory right. when it's really about the other person. That's the turn when pushed. Are there times to step in and stand up? Absolutely, yes. Are there times when it's so clear that it's about the other person and, and whatever is going on with them where you just let it go? Because the spending energy, energy is so precious. Spending energy yeah. in getting involved in a uh, kind of a conflict, it's a choice now. And then yeah. enter when pulled. If someone goes, well, it's my way. And you go, no, no, it's my way. Now we're in tug of war. Okay. Well, this way. Well, I want it that way. Well, I want it this way. If you step in, in the martial arts, if you're, if someone pulls you and you pull back, they're going to pull harder. But if someone pulls you and you step into that pull, you've then taken over their center right. and now you're the one in control. Right. So that's where, that's where the martial way really works. Because if someone says, well, I want it my way and you go, that's cool. What's it look like? Yeah. They're like, well, I, uh, <laughs> right. So you sort right. of make them pause yeah. and now you get to guide them once yeah. you've stepped into their center and can take it over. One thing I, I heard you say that it's a sort of separate question, but sure. I, I really liked it was you start learning once you get to black belt. Oh yeah. And I remember when I was doing Hapkido, I, I think I got to maybe green, blue belt, blue belt. So blue belt's like four belts away from black. And I remember all the black belts saying the second degree saying, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really learn anything. I'm now learning how to really do this, you know, after doing this for, for, for five years. So it, it just yep. that, I just really like that concept. And I think it's something that's important. It may not be related to, to what we're talking about necessarily, but just the idea that sometimes, you know, you think you you've gotten a certain level of success. And then when you get up there, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, like you're a darn good ER physician, right? On I mean, I've way, been doing it. I've been doing it a while. There's nothing really I can't handle. Yeah. And that's the point, right? Yeah. On your way to that, you're like, woohoo, I fixed that sucking knife wound. Right. Right. Fixed that, that, you know, evolves, you know, whatever. It's like, holy cow. Like you start to see things and you go, I did it. And what happens is you gain mastery. And at a certain point in mastery, you go, oh my gosh, there's an easier way. And that's why at black belt, you go, oh, my gosh, sometimes it's if I turn my hip a quarter of an inch, it makes all the difference in this technique. Right. And so in anything we do, whether it's consulting, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's, you know, providing medical services, whatever it is, once we have mastery, we now have new options. And that's why we begin to learn at the black, black belt level. Right. That, um, you know, we've got this now inside of us. Yeah. I always equate it to the difference between knowledge and wisdom, where, you know, knowledge is knowing facts and understanding facts, but wisdom is written when you're really living something, right? Somebody so, once said to me, if your brother or sister tells you, I love you, and then you close the door and you open up another door, and then Jesus Christ says, I love you, <laughs> you know, which one <laughs> has more power, right? Because what, you know, you believe in, in 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 those scriptures. He's this. He's living this every day, every day, literally. Yeah. Anyway, let's jump into yes or BS. Oh, very fun. <laughs> I've only heard about this, so <laughs> I'm gonna make some statements. Once I make okay. the statement, you can say yes or BS. And if you want to expound, you can. If you don't, we'll move on. All, All right. right. Number one, change your posture, change your life. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Talk about that. 
So here's the thing. Most of us live in a slouch. Um, we've got our we've got our technology at chest or belly level, and mm -hmm. so we're looking down so much that you know physiologically that puts you in a place where you cannot expand your lungs. You can't get a full breath. Right. That in itself physiologically causes depression. The yeah. other thing that happens is this: you cannot look at your shoes and go boy, do I feel great and have it be meaningful. Yeah. If, yeah. on the other hand, you look up and you look at where, for example, the wall meets the ceiling and you go, I feel great. What's happened is you've tilted your head back, right? Your shoulders roll back a little bit. Sure. And now you change your posture. You've already changed your physiology. And yes. I challenge our listeners to do just that. Yes. Sit up that bit straighter, take a full breath, look at where the wall meets the ceiling yeah. and go, I feel great. And just see what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. A Tony Robbins quote where he, he gave these people an exercise. He told them to walk as if there was a cape on your back pulling you. Mm. And so essentially you're walking very erect, which is the same thing you're saying, very erect with your shoulders back. And it definitely breeds a, a, a different level of, of confidence in you. All right. Number two, great leaders eliminate why from their vocabulary. Huh. <laughs> so this is... Uh, <laughs> is that yes or BS? Uh, that's a yes. Okay. But, and it's a qualified yes. Okay. And the qualification is this. Let me explain why why is not such a great thing to have. And, and that's this, that why becomes accusatory yeah. and blameful. Sure. Why isn't this report done? Why is this late? And the real thing that most leaders want is, can the report get done? Can we stay on time? Yeah. So asking why is only meant to create blame, which then makes team leader or team members feel bad. Right. So what are they going to do? What kind of relationship would a leader be setting up if that's the way he or she led? Why is this late? Why is this? And it's just, it really is blameful and shameful. And so it's really about how do you step in and step up and, and ask different questions like, what can we do to make sure that this runs on time? What can we do to make sure that the quality of this work is what we, we want as an output? There are times when you want the reverse engineer of something. There are times when you get to a place of why did this happen? What were the what were the steps that were in place that this event happened? And that's a curiosity thing. And that is that is to reverse engineer it so that it can either happen again or not happen again. Sure. I, I prefer what or how what happened or how can we? Yes. Right. Yes. No, that's great. The reason I asked that question is because I, I did a like a 10 minute rant. Basically, I'm talking about how so often we get caught when we're dealing with our own you know emotional um, challenges. We get so caught up in the why of it. You know, well, why did this thing happen to me or why did this thing happen versus the how of how can I change or how can what solution can I come up with? And I know for me personally, I've you know sometimes spent years on the why instead of using that energy to figure out how. And so that's I think, so in, yeah, with choosing that's your so power. That's right. <laughs> in, my, in my first book called Choosing Your Power, I do 10 watchwords. Okay. Why, but, and should are the top three watchwords to eliminate from your vocabulary, yeah. which is 
great. So awesome. All right. Number three, mental rehearsal is the same as visualization. Is the same as visualization? There's overlap. So I'm going to say <laughs> yes. Okay. Mental rehearsal requires visualization. Okay. And it's a very directed vis- visualization. For listeners who don't quite know what mental rehearsal is, what we know from sports psychology is that when basketball players were told, were, got, were, were put into a relaxed state and were told to visualize themselves shooting baskets and making them and shooting baskets and making them from different parts of the court, when they got onto the court, their performance improved significantly. So it is a it is a directed and deliberate visualization practice. Okay. Not all visualization is mental rehearsal, which is why I paused when you asked. <laughs> I think it's an important distinction. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Number four, coaching packages should come with a money back guarantee. Not from you, but just in general. I offer it. Do you? <laughs> I do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you start with me, and if if by our second session you're not you're not happy with our direction, yeah, I will give you your investment back. So for me, yes, you know what? Yes, okay. at least to start, you know, because that the other part of that is I can't control my client's behavior or or outcomes. I can't guarantee that they'll be wealthier, healthier, better looking, whatever by the end of our sessions together. <laughs> What I can say is we will head down a path that will be positively life-changing and you'll know whether or not by the second session, this is the path for you. So I offer a money-back guarantee on the path, not on the outcome. Got it. Got it. Okay. Perfect. And last one. Hooray! I mean, uh... (laughs) Real leaders set goals and never waver. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to say that's never that's never with the capital N. All right, so then that's got to be BS, right? Because, <laughs> right? Because a, a capital never is is really horrible. I mean, think about this. When you are 20 years old and you go by the time I'm 40, I want to have this 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 You've changed in those 20 years. So do you not take in information? If you have a a pretty good idea about where you want to go, you're going to course correct along the way. But also, you know, when we ask, for example, 17-year-olds to make decisions about the rest of their lives, you know, what do you want to be? Where do you want to go to college? Oh, you don't want to go to college? Oh, you do want to go to college. What do you want to, what do you want to study? Who are you going to marry? You're 20, you're 22, you're 24. And we ask our early 20-somethings to make decisions for the rest of their life. It's like asking a leader, I'm using this as a parallel. It's like, you don't know what the circumstances are going to be five years from now, two years from now, even tomorrow, you know, it's like, uh, I will tell you at at the time of this recording, we are looking at a hurricane off of the Southeast coast. Yeah. There are leaders that two weeks ago were telling their companies, let's go this way. And I guarantee you that today they are slowing things down. Sure. (laughs) Sure. So in the face of a storm, whether that's a, a meteorological actual, or, right. or ecolo- <laughs> economic. Or emotional. Yeah, or emotional. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, things change. 
things change. Yeah, I think um, part of, you know, success and doing, forging your path is obviously setting goals. But I think it's important to have flexibility and not be dogmatic. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to drive through this wall, no matter what happens, you know. Exactly. (laughs) So take feedback and course correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of envision positive outcome, which is, do you know where you're headed? Because without a goal, you're going to be wandering all all over the place. Yeah. That's the other side of that, you know, where it's like you have to have goals in order to, to have a direction. Sure. But with new information, be prepared to change direction. All right. That's all I've got. That's all I've got, Dr. P. Do I get to offer our listeners something for free? No, absolutely. I, w- I was going to tell you to just talk cool. to the listeners about how they can get in contact with you and more importantly, where they can, you know, get descriptions on your your five books. <laughs> they can stick and start yeah. their reading. <laughs> Our listeners can start reading. As long as you spell my name right, you're going to find it. It's okay. Wayne and last name is Purnell, P-E-R-N-E-L-L, WaynePurnell.com. And if you go to WaynePurnell.com slash free, the book called The Significance Factor is available for you for download. Nice. Then, you know, once you're on my website, look around. You know, there's a, I do a blog a week called Wednesdays with Wayne. It's usually inspirational. It's usually leadership-based. And sometimes it's based on the topics that I've encountered from my clients or just being out and about in the world. Yeah. So WaynePurnell.com and WaynePurnell.com slash free if you'd like The Significance Factor. It's a number one best-selling book. Nice. Thank you. And Wayne, are you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any of these places? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Instagram, the handle is changing right now. It's Magic Dr. P. Okay. But you'll you'll find me. If you look up Wayne Purnell, you'll find me. And then LinkedIn, it's Wayne Purnell. Twitter, it's at Wayne Purnell. So, okay. yeah, I'm on all the social. Just look for Wayne, Wayne Purnell. Purnell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Wayne, listen, thank you so much for coming on and talking to the people. Uh, I think they got a nice dose of truth today. Much appreciated. This has and, been so much fun. This oh, has been so much fun. No, it has been. Agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. So thank you so that. much. Thank you. And uh, I will sign off as I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it. Ooh.